wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Our theme for this week is the big question, how good was God when he created hell? This week you're going to discover, is hell real? Is hell burning now? Is hell forever? And is the devil in charge of hell? Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. Eric, it is fantastic to have you with us again. Good to be back, Gary. Good to be back. We really love having you uh, on board every week. It's fantastic. Tell me, it's just come off a long weekend. Uh, What have you been doing over the long weekend? Well, it goes quickly, Gary, I tell you. We went actually went down to Victor Harbour, and I think just about every second person was down there. It was chockers down there. Stayed the night. Uh, we went actually down on the Sunday because we had a uh, my grandson's birthday, uh, Lewis. He was turned three, so we had a family gathering. There was 18 of us that gathered there, and so we didn't break the, uh, the rules. And uh, we had a wonderful time, had a lovely party, and then it was interesting coming home because, uh, yeah, the traffic was heavy to start, but as soon as you hit the new motorway coming home, the, the, it goes both ways now, the southern motorway, yeah. it was great as soon as we hit that. So did you camp down there all weekend? Uh, yeah, we, well, camping's not my thing now, Gary, getting near <laughs> 70. I, enjoy, I like a nice soft bed, so we did stay in a motel, and uh, we went for a walk, went over to Granite Island. It was beautiful, uh-huh. actually, there. Uh-huh. We really enjoyed it, and, uh, yeah. We had a lovely, lovely time, but it goes too quick, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it certainly, it certainly does. I know that the people who weren't at, uh, uh, down at Victor Harbour must have been up at Strathalbyn because I went up there for the weekend and uh, and really ha- found a lot of people up there as well. Everyone seemed to be out this last weekend, but the days were beautiful. It was wonderful to be able to share and to celebrate uh, together. Mm. In addition to Eric, it's wonderful to have a lady in the studio that leads ADRA South Australia. Charlene Luzick, welcome to our studio. Thank you. It's absolutely fantastic to be back. Tell me, the long weekend, what did you do over the long weekend? Oh, I slept in, I went walking in the sunshine and exploring new walking tracks with friends and hung out with... Tell me, Charlene, now look, we've just, uh, uh, we've got so much that's happening in our world at the present time. Now, just over the last uh, week or so, in America, we've had had some uh, uh, demonstrations where people have been... uh, Following the theme, Black Lives Matter. Now, Charlene, what's your opinion on that particular movement? Oh, absolutely. The statement Black Lives Matter is so true. And it's something that ADRA believes that Black Lives Matter, but it doesn't stop there. ADRA believes that all li- all people matter, no matter what background you are, no matter what age you are, what ethnicity, everyone is made in the image of God. And, and that's what ADRA believes. And so, you know, when we're working, you know, just the pure fact that ADRA works in over 140 countries testifies to the fact that we want to be wherever we can, helping mm. whoever we can. Mm. 
that's that's a wonderful statement that you just made there that Andrew believes not just that black lives matter which they certainly do and which we certainly support mm. but also that all lives matter yes. and I love that because what that means to me is that that means our children's lives matter that means that our ladies lives matter that means that our men's lives matter that means that our black in the indigenous people matter that means that the white person's life matters that's that's a wonderful biblical understanding that you've got there Charlene. Yeah, and, and it's, it doesn't just stop with the fact that they matter it stops you know it also includes like we want Adra wants to see everyone living life to the fullest that they can yeah and 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 everyone's voice is to be heard no, no one group's voice should be heard above anyone else's and so yeah. that's something yeah. that we always consider when we're going to work in new areas we try to consult the community in a way allows everyone's voice to be heard because you can waltz into a community and say hey Adra's here to help let's call a meeting and in certain parts of the world it'll only be the older men that come along mm. so what about the voices of the, the, the women who are staying at home or the the younger the youths that are in school you know all of the and so that's we really try to get a really broad range of consultation when we work with people that's one of the things i really appreciate about adra Charlene because you know that's to me called empowerment yes. and what we're actually trying to do here is to empower uh, individuals that may not be part of the uh, the political class in that particular area mm. does, does that make sense yeah yeah and and some some people aren't too happy about that. Sometimes we, we get messages that say, hey, we want to give this money but have it only going to this certain Christian group or that certain group. And we try to dialogue with them and say, look, we try to give our help to anyone who is in need in that situation. And sometimes yeah. it takes time just to talk to them and say, look, you know, and, and I guess the underlying uh, reasons for this is, you know, we looked Jesus yeah. as yeah. our example. How did Jesus interact with with the foreigners of his day, with the women of his day, with the children of his day, with the, the people in society who who were um, like the lepers and, and those who were, were cast out of society. How did Jesus to relate to all of those, those people? Mm. And that should be our basis of how we interact on a daily basis, whether it's a, a beneficiary in Nepal on a mountaintop or whether it's someone calling in on the phone in Australia. In other words, Jesus is in fact our model yes. for how we're going to do ministry. We're not going to go one political political class mm. above another, but rather we're going to say, "Hey, how can we function the way that Jesus functioned?" Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now that's very. Let's come to some practical examples there, if we can, uh, uh, Charlene. Now, look, in Australia, I'm really conscious of our indigenous people. Now, mm. our indi- there are one. I've, I've had done. I have done some work with our Indigenous people and I have been so blessed by that but uh, tell me, how does ADRA work with our Indigenous people in Australia? Yeah, just before moving on to that, I'm going to answer that question but just segueing into that question um, it's also important to realise that it's not always best practice to help everybody the same. In some situations there are certain groups that are more vulnerable like in an earthquake everyone pretty much gets 
affected equally, or not even then, because the people with with not so um, secure housing are going to suffer more. But I'm talking like looking back in the in the new you know, New Zealand earthquake back in the day, um, it was across the board. Mm. But there are like in a genocide, it's not everyone being attacked. It's not every situation has certain people groups that may need more support in that circumstance. And that means that within, for example, the Australian circumstance, our Indigenous people may need more assistance yeah, in certain, than... certain circumstances. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. When you look at the health factors for Indigenous, you can um, quickly see that the, the, the numbers are a lot higher. Yeah. And so in a health perspective, you know, that they are real key and core groups that, that, that we need to help. Current ways that ADRA are working with Indigenous groups, um, ADRA's supporting a training program Program for community health workers at Mamarafa, which is um, a part of the, the Seventh Day Adventist education system. Just tell us, Mamarafa, what is that? Yeah, it's a Christian college, um, and where people, Indigenous people from all over the country, fly in for I think it's uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, uh, four times a year for intense classes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the one that we're specifically um, supporting is this um, community health volunteers that are, are being trained up. And so they come in, it could be from Sydney, from Brisbane, from Cairns, from little places like Fink in the middle of the mm. desert out there. And mm. uh, they come together, they have these trainings, and then they return to their communities. And, and they become leadership people in their own communities. Yes, and they, their influence and their knowledge that they have, they can share in their communities. Yeah, yeah. I know, I've had the, actually had the privilege of uh, lecturing, done, doing a few lectures over at Mamarafa College. And to me, I found that the greatest blessing that you could possibly imagine. Yeah, yeah. awesome. So yeah. that that um, that money for that project that the address supporting um, comes from a local op shop in Western Australia. Fantastic. Um, another project that we've been supporting for quite a few years years now is Dream Track um, over on the east coast, which is an adventure based project where um, young Indigenous kids. They come, they have these adventure experiences, but not just it's not just a fun place. Mm. They come and it's mixed in with mentor mentoring and mm. mentorship. And so yeah, that that's another way that we're currently working. Mentoring with. is so powerful, oh, isn't it? Yes. You know, it's a, that's something that where you can actually change lives. And I'm so conscious that uh, when uh, for example an indigenous person is able to mentor a, a younger, mm. that is when you start to see lives change Absolutely. in a very powerful way. Yeah. But let me just go to just something, just one or two other things just very quickly. Now look, I'm conscious that amongst these identified areas where people require help. I'm conscious that, for example, Adra's also working outside of Australia yes. and uh, even if we go up into Papua New Guinea. Now, look, I'm really conscious that uh, I picked up a couple of things that uh, I think you opened the first safe house in PNG, from what I understand. Now, can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah, um, and as we're going back to the point, you know, it's in every situation there's different needs. Yeah. And one of the identified needs in Papua New Guinea is the issue of domestic violence. Yeah. And the lack of places for people to go where they can be safe. And so, yeah, this is this is a, a really great step in the right direction. Yeah. Um, to have a place where the local community know where they can go when they need to flee and they've got nowhere to go. Yeah. Charlene, thank you so much for that. Really do appreciate and really appreciate your work 
work with with ADRA Australia. You've got a massive area, you've got a huge job to do, but to me, I'd have to say it must be one of the most rewarding jobs it's it possible to have. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Charlene, thank you so much for coming in today. Really do appreciate it and uh, look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you. Really do appreciate being able to have Charlene uh, share with us uh, this afternoon. Uh, that uh, that certainly uh, raised some significant issues. Uh, tell me, Eric, what's your thought? You know, in our last week or so, we've certainly seen impacting our world a great deal of this uh, a Black Lives Matter a campaign. What's your view? What What's your thinking on what Charlene shared? Well. <clears throat> You know, working amongst them, being an Aboriginal Bible worker, uh, I know there's a lot of hurt amongst the Aboriginal people. Uh, I know what's happened uh, in the past with their families, and uh, it's still quite deep. You know, it's still, you know, they still talk about it a lot. And, um, you know, when you think about it, um, the police are kind of upholding the law. And when there's uh, protests and things, the police are the ones that bear the brunt of what's going on. But then they've, but then the police are, have the authority. So they've got to act decently. If you remember, if you've been watching the news, there was a, um, a white, um, uh, Australian man whose, whose uh, partner was killed over there, shot by a policeman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he actually went to the funeral of, uh, of the man that was killed over there. So I do find that, yeah, there is a lot of, I think, I think that the protests, I mean, all lives matter, but I think it's good to highlight this and to clean things up. I think it's a time when the world, uh, all, all countries are, are out mm. in protest, really, New Zealand as well, and, and many others, that it's time to have a look at this and say, okay, we need to be mm. accountable with what we saw in that video. You know, people have to be accountable. And, and um, you know, and steps have to be taken to make sure that it's done right when when people's rights are at stake. I, yeah, I do believe yeah, that. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, I think you make a make a very good point there, Eric. Because I know that uh, certainly uh, earlier in my ministry, I had the privilege of ministering to a uh, to a lady who actually an, an indigenous lady who grew up on a um, on an, a reservation. Uh, this was many years ago. And uh, some of the stories that she was able to tell me were stories that uh, were horrific in their in their nature. You know, it was they, it raised issues that certainly at that until that time I certainly wasn't aware of. And uh, I, I really appreciated Charlene's uh, presentation and what Charlene actually shared. I. I know that to me it's when people are able to mentor and be able to positively impact the lives of others that we start to see society change, don't we? Yes, and I think we need to come together as one. You know, I think... uh, that we need to sort out the wrongs and make them right. I mean, it's, it's not going to be a perfect world by any means, but at least we can make those steps now. And, and this is just highlighting, you know, when something does go wrong like mm. this, that we, we do get it right and uh, that there is a sense of justice and fairness. And, uh, and then, you know, it doesn't matter what colour of your skin are, that we're all treated the same. And, um, you know, that we move forward. And this is the time, I think, that it's a good time. I think uh, they're listening in America. Trump has kind of said some things which have stirred up a lot of uh, th- uh, things there. Um, but we're going to see, yeah, be interested to see what happens through all this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Sure. The political classes have certainly been shaken up over the last week or two, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Yeah. They certainly have. Let's come to some music. This is Rambos, Sheltered in the Arms of God.
Can you trust the Bible? How could a loving God create a devil? How can a man called Jesus save me? And from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. If you want more information on anything that we're talking about today or any other day, that's the magazine to grab. That is really worthwhile. That's a fantastic little magazine. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor Eric Hoare. Eric's a recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginals Seventh-day Adventist Church. And our theme for the week is a warm one, Eric, for the very middle of winter. How good was God when he created hell? Uh, this week we're looking at, is hell real? Is hell burning now? Is hell forever? And is the devil really in charge of hell? It was an article that I picked up just uh, just a little while ago. It was an article that uh, appeared in the National Geographic. Uh, the uh, title of the article was The Campaign to Eliminate Hell. And uh, this is what it said. It said hell isn't as popular as it used to be. Over the last 20 years, the number of Americans who believe in the fiery down under has dropped from 71% to 58%. Heaven, by contrast fares much better and amongst Christians remains an almost universally accepted concept. Underlying these statistics is a conundrum that continues to tug at the conscience of some Christians who find it difficult to reconcile the existence of a just loving God with a doctrine that dooms billions of people to eternal punishment. Everlasting torment is intolerable from a moral point of view because it makes God into a bloodthirsty monster who maintains an everlasting Auschwitz for victims whom he does not even allow to die, wrote the late Clark Pennicock in his influ- an influential evangelical theologian. The once taboo subject is being openly discussed in well by well-regarded scholars who are publishing articles and books that rely on a careful reading of the scriptures to challenge the traditional view. Eric, I'm really interested that this article that comes in the National Geographic, you can get it on May 13, 2016, if any of our readers are, uh, any of our listeners are interested. The article says... The books rely on careful readings of scripture to challenge the traditional view that people are going to burn for all eternity. Is there another explanation? Uh, Eric, help us out. Take us, uh, show us. What do the scriptures actually say? Well, first of all, Pastor Gary, I was brought up with that traditional view that, yep, there was a burning hell. And uh, I remember, you know, little Lucifer, the picture of him, uh, with his little uh, pitchfork, t- uh, pitchfork in his hand, his pointed tail and horns on his head, red. In fact, we had little, Luc- little, little Lucifer fire starters. I, you old enough to remember them as well. <laughs> I, do. I do, yeah. Little Lucifer matches as well to start fires with. And for many, many years, I believed that, yeah, that, uh, and I, and often, you know, being a naughty boy sometimes, I was threatened that something bad would happen to me, you know, if I yeah. did wrong, you know. Yeah. So yeah. this was the fear that was installed in us, you know. This was actually a very common belief. 
belief, wasn't it? You know, this is something that, you know, Christians believed many things, but um, this was one that seemed to go across uh, many different denominations. Yes, and yet when you look at the Bible as we're doing today to find out the truth on this matter, it's very, very important. So um, I just wonder, Gary, uh, just looking at my scripture today, I looked and thought, how many people are actually being punished in hell today? How many people that are lost are actually being? And I, I found Second Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9, and it says there, The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So that tells me that there's going to be a day of judgment. And that sort of refers to me now that there's that there's actually nobody in But he's going to reserve those people Mm -hmm. unto the day of judgment. A time period. To a time, somewhere in the future. In the future, yes. That's that's significant. You know, know, Eric, the, the reason that to me I think that is actually so important is that would it be fair if... For example, maybe a you know a baby died back at the time of uh, maybe Noah's deluge, mm-hmm. and the baby uh, hadn't you know wasn't ready to uh, to meet their ma- meet their maker, and instead they got sent to hell. Mm-hmm. Would it be fair that they received three, four, five, six thousand years more punishment just by virtue of the fact that they were born? Earlier, Well, this is why this uh, topic is so important to get a view of what God is like. Yeah. Would he allow that to happen? And to me, yeah. the God I know would not allow that to happen. And the scriptures bear that out because yeah. um, if you take that, that in point, that in time, and you've got a loved one and you think that's where they are, well, you know, it, it can really affect you emotionally and deeply. And, and that's what the, the tradition is. You know, and as you said, the, the amount of Americans still believing 58%, I don't know what the Australian figures are, they still believe that, even mm. today, yeah. when the scriptures are open, uh, it's, they're available for anybody to read and study. Yeah. And that's what we have to do is study this, this point. But as, this is what the National Geographic does actually point out and correctly points out, is that this is being increasingly challenged in the Christian world today by significant scholars because it's actually... Not what the scriptures are actually saying. You see that verse, mm. first verse there mm. reserves the unjust for judgment to the day of judgment. But there's another question. Mm. Um, when will sinners be cast into hell fire? This one's really important. But you know, to me, the really significant thing is that if we submit this to the uh, scriptures, I find a, a remarkable passage, and it's actually uh, Christ in uh, uh, Matthew chapter chapter thirteen who is speaking, and uh, he's he's talking to his disciples, and this is what he says: Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. Now, Christ here is trying to explain to his disciples what's going to happen at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. And he will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be a wailing and a gnashing of teeth. But this is something that apparently occurs to the ungodly at the end of the age, according to the teaching of Christ. What's your understanding of this passage? Yeah, that's correct. The, um, uh, the end of the age, it says, The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into a furnace of fire. So this is, uh, to me, this is a, a sudden end. 
Yeah. It's not something that um, is going to keep on burning or forever or a ter- torment. It's going to be over, you know, when, when a fire consumes and that's it. There's no more suffering. And that's what I think God had intended, you know. In other words, there is a fire according to this particular passage, yeah. but the fire occurs at the end of the age... Mm-hmm. It's not burning currently. No, that's correct. Yeah, there's no, nobody in hell. At the, you know, there's no burning now. It's uh, a set time in the future for sure. Yep. Fantastic. Well, Eric, tell us, where are sinners who have died now? Well, this really shocked me, Gary, when I studied this because I thought, you know, last week we we talked about death and and you know, uh, do we go to he- you know, do we go to heaven or, or whatever? But here is the text here, which really is a, a beautiful text, and it's John five twenty eight to twenty nine. It says, "The hour is coming, in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life." And those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So when we die, we go to the grave. And the grave is another word for hell, isn't it? The, the translation Sheol, uh, often translated hell, actually is the grave, a dark place. This is, this, is what the, this is what the truth of the scriptures are, that there is not actually a place of burning, a place called hell. It's actually, he's talking about the grave here. He's talk- and that word, that translated word, is so important to actually understand that because that's exactly what, what the scriptures are saying, that what you've got is when a person person passes away we often write r.i.p on their grave yes what does r.i.p stand for that's right rest in peace <laughs> rest right. in peace yes. and and you know that's exactly what the scriptures do teach yep. that when a person has passed away they're able to rest in peace they're not according to the scriptures going up they're not going down but rather according to this eric would you read us that text again because i think that passage is so important that passage from john chapter 5 yeah john 5 28 to 29 it says the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice so this is talking about all those who are in, in the, the graves yeah. will hear his voice yeah, yeah. And come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Can I just go a step further in Job twenty-one thirty to 32? It says, That the wicked is reserved to the day of destruction, yet shall he be brought to the grave and shall remain in the tomb until that time. So, do you know, to me, this is, this is incredibly important because what it's actually saying to me is that we don't have a God that is wanting to burn people forever and ever. That's not where the character of God is actually placed. Neither do we have an enemy, Satan, who is able to prod people um, through ceaseless eons of existence right now. No, that's right. And also, you know, uh, being in the in the the Bible talks about death and being in the grave. It says the dead know nothing; they the don't know. feel anything; yeah. they don't know yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Can't be, can't happen. So I this have... is tradition. This this view that a lot of people. How have. did it impact you when you first came across this knowledge? I couldn't believe it. I, I understood. It opened my eyes that uh, to the the scriptures about Lazarus. It all made sense to me. Why would God call back Lazarus if he was already in heaven? You know. Yeah. Uh, and if somebody, you know, if there is a hell like this, I just could not um, 
could not understand that. But when the, these texts all came, then the Bible started to make sense to me, and I could understand his words, what he was telling people. But by but what happens is we as people, uh, we try to uh, enlarge on the scripture. We try to 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 put it into what other people say about it. But we really have got to look and this is this is not what you and I are saying. Just allow the scriptures to speak for themselves, don't we? It's so important That's to actually right. be able to do that. Do you know, I love uh, you know this uh, uh, Romans chapter uh, chapter six because uh, there's there's a point here. Uh, what is the end result? Of sin, and do you know I love Romans six twenty three because what it says is this: For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, of course, here we've got the wages of sin being death, and of course, death by definition is actually a cessation of life. It's not a life in another form, but rather a cessation of life. A person knows as much as they do about what's going on as they did before they were born. And to me, that to me is something, a very powerful teaching of the, of the scriptures. Yes, and when we're born, you know, we, we start to die. Really, it's a bad thing to say, but our, our cells start to, to actually die in us yeah. because, because that sin was brought into this world in the first place. But the end result of sin, is, of the reason we die is because sin, is sin in our life. And that's why Jesus had to go up on the cross to take our place. I could never really understand that. As an early Christian, why? How could he take my sins on himself? You know, why did he have to die? Why didn't he come down off the cross? But I fully understand now that he took the place uh, of the sacrificial system back in the Old Testament mm. to take our place. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. We don't yeah. have to sacrifice. Well, God, it's a gift. God's it's it's, it's a God's gift. gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You know, we have got a God who actually wants us to be saved. Hmm. I'm just thinking too, Gary, you know, what will happen um, uh, to the wicked uh, in hellfire? It says here in uh, Revelation 21.8, it says, The cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Ah, now this is important, isn't it? What Scripture speaks of here is a second death. Now, if there's a second death, it means that there has to be a first death mm. now the thing which we call a death the first death mm. scripture doesn't actually call it a death what does it call it mm. sleep he calls it a sleep mm. uh, the second death is something that scripture speaks of which is the thing to be uh, to be <laughs> to, to not to be caught into just just read that passage again for us Eric yep it's found in Revelation 21 verse 8 it says the cowardly unbelieving abominable murderers sexually immoral sorcerers adulterers and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death so a, a lot of people think that there's only a one resurrection to don't they? Mm, mm. But John chapter 5 certainly mm. talked about there being two resurrections, two wasn't resurrections. there? There being a resurrection of the just and another of the unjust. Yeah. Apparently, there is going to be a final thing called judgment. You know, that's mm. a, a belief that isn't actually that popular today, this belief in a judgment. But according to the scriptures, apparently, their time is going to come when people will be held accountable for the things which they've done. In this in this world, if they've accepted Jesus Christ, for by grace you say through faith, that not of yourselves, there is this wonderful gift that's able to be given to them. But for those 
who haven't accepted Christ, for those who have uh, gone and uh, taken their own path, what occurs there? Mm. Do they burn forever in hell? No, not according to what the scriptures are saying here. Let's let's keep keep going. Let's have a look at uh, um, you know a really important question: uh, How, when will hellfire be kindled? Remember that passage again in Matthew chapter 13, verse 40 and 41. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all the things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will be cast them into a furnace of fire and there will be wailing. And gnashing of teeth. So it apparently, yes, hot fire exists, but it's not burning yet. No. And it's reserved until the end of this age. Mm. Help us out, uh, Eric. Yes, How- and this fire will be very, very hot. Uh, it says in. Uh, Peter 3.10, it says, The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works are in it will be burnt off. And this hellfire will be just as big as this earth, because it will be the earth on fire. The fire will be so hot as to melt the earth. You know, this fire that it's talking about here, um, some people call it the everlasting fire, which is where the inference of it burning forever comes from. But in the Bible, the term for that actually means that it's a fire that consumes until it's it's you know it's burned everything that was being burnt. It's not a fire that lasts forever. It's a fire that will turn people into stubble. It's yeah. a, it's a uh, um, a fire that. And some people have said an everlasting fire. You know, sometimes we talk about God. Another train of thought is that God is everlasting. That this fire actually comes down from heaven and called an everlasting fire because it comes down from heaven. But it's not a fire that will keep on burning. It's got nothing at all here to do with the devil, although God never created hell. God never, the answer to your question is God never created hell. Mm. The grave was because people died. He, didn't, he, never, he never wanted death. He wasn't willing that any should perish, mm. but that all should come to repentance. That was his desire that, of what should occur but that's something that, unfortunately, not everyone has actually wanted to accept. No, and the big, um, the big uh, text in the Bible is John 3.17, after John 3.16, where he's gone to prepare a place for us. He says, I, he did not come to condemn, but to save. Yeah. And that's the whole point of it. Yeah. That, so this picture of hell, uh, God never wanted a grave. He never wanted to play, you know, he never wanted us to die. And so this is here is talking about a, 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 a judgment that has to come. We do something wrong. There, there has to be a punishment for that. Mm, mm. And unfortunately, if we don't choose Jesus, then we, we can be lost. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and yet what the scriptures are talking about is a fire that's not burning yet. No. It's reserved until the end of the age, but will the fire eventually go out? That's a really important question that we ask. You know, to me, I really appreciate what uh, the book of Malachi says on this particular one. Uh, for what the book of Malachi says, verse 4 1, uh, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. Now, there it is, burning like an oven. The day is coming. And yes, uh, all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. 
and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. If we move to verse 3, you will trample the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. Mm. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Now, to me, Eric, this is a really significant one. You know, if um, if we've had a had a bushfire mm. that's actually gone through uh, the hills of Adelaide, mm. it's done tremendous damage. Mm. But, you know, at, at some point it's actually gone out. Mm. That's correct, yeah. And this is, this is completely in line with all the texts that we're reading. This is just lining up like that fence post, you know, talking about this fire that will not last. It will only, it's only there to consume what is the fire will only live in what it has there and that's it it will burn out mm. but it's not yet it is to come yeah. it's a day of judgment yeah. you're right yeah. yeah but eric tell us now look there's many people out there actually that have got a a picture that the the devil himself is in charge of hellfire, you know, you get this little picture. You know, people get dressed up sometimes in pantomimes that, um, you know, that, uh, a being that's covered in red. He's got horns on him. He's carrying a pitchfork, and he's somehow God's accomplice. He's he's in charge of hell. Is the devil in charge of hell? <laughs> no, no. Um, you know, the thing is that. Um, in this world today, it seems to, to a lot of people, I believe, it seems as though evil uh, is, has got um, uh, a large part of the life is following evil and that sometimes good people are, are treated down, you know, they're not, um, you know, they're not, uh, there's no advantage of doing good, basically, what I'm saying. Uh, and so they say, well, why would I be a Christian, you know, if... Uh, if this is happening here, where you know I'm out to get what I get, I live a good life here, and then I just have to give myself to the Lord and be mm. saved, you know. Um, and this is what it comes down to. Um, the thing is that uh, Revelation twenty ten said the devil who deceived them, the devil who deceived them. So people are deceived and read us that devil. full text because this is a really important one, uh, yeah. Eric. It says here in Revelation twenty ten, it says the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. The devil that deceived them was cast himself into the... Now, you know, to me that's interesting because what we've got here is that the devil himself, according to the book of Revelation, is going to be cast into the book of the the lake of fire at the end of time. Now, hang on. I thought that according to the traditional picture, he was the one who was in charge of heaven, a a charge of of hell. Mm. But here we get this picture of Satan himself being cast into you see what we've got here is that hell is actually prepared for the devil and his angels that's right it's actually not prepared for humanity it's actually prepared to impact satan himself you know to me i look at this and i say hey this is this is good news because what it means is that satan no longer becomes god's accomplice and in looking at the subject of hell, he is not in charge of hell. No, and the devil that is does deceive people and deceives us when we do wrong. You know, he he twists things, and um, you know, the devil is not. Um, like what I thought, you know, with uh, a red, that he's coloured red and he's got little horns and that. He actually in the Bible tells us he comes as an angel of light and he deceives people. I mean, just this this morning I heard of a lady talking about a lady who lives across the road and she's called a white witch. 
Mm. You know, and she's actually a white witch, making mean that she's a good witch. She's a good yeah. person. Yeah. This is the way. And then people will make fun of the devil and, and, and make it that. But uh, there's also a text, Gary. It says in Ezekiel 28, 18 and 19, it says, I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you shall be no more forever. Talking about there, he'll be no more. Yeah. So God will reign supreme, you know. The devil will be cast into the fire and he will be turned into ashes as well. Yeah, yeah. In fact, you know, that um, that passage that I was just talking about before is actually uh, Matthew 25, uh, verse, verse 41. And again, Christ is talking, he's instructing his disciples on the end times. That's the point of Matthew 24 and 25. That's the subject that they're dealing with. Mm. And uh, Matthew chapter 25, verse 41 says this, And he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This fire is actually prepared for the devil and his angels. But there's an interesting term there, everlasting fire. Now, this is a term that actually confuses a lot of people. Mm. Now, this term is a term we're going to come to tomorrow because it's important. Mm. There's half a dozen texts where the term everlasting fire is actually used. We're going to come to that. We're going to study that. We're going to look at exactly what that is actually saying. What is that meaning? Mm. Does it say more than what people have actually read into it? Well, we've got to understand that today's lesson too, Pastor Gary, talks about, you know, where is hell? Is it is it burning today? And in the Old Testament, 31 times Sheol is used, which many translations say grave, 31 times. And in the New Testament, uh, 10 times Hades means the grave. It means the same place, that that's where we go, where we rest, that we actually sleep until we are resurrected again. And that's so, a beautiful thought. So this is a, this is really developing a picture that, as I look at it, I say, "Hey, this is uh, this is almost fair. This is fair and reasonable. It's not almost fair and reasonable. It is fair and reasonable. What we've got here is a hell that is not burning yet. A hell that." is going to involve fire at the end of time, but a hell that's been reserved for the devil and his angels. Salvation has actually been prepared for each of us who want to accept salvation. Hmm. We discover that from the scriptures that the fire eventually goes out. Hmm. It's not going to be there to pester the through age, through ceaseless ages of eternity. In fact, I love, and I, I do think we need to finish at this particular passage because I'm conscious our time is starting to get away from us. But um, Revelation chapter 21, because the really significant question is, what are God's post-hell plans for the earth? And it's people. And I love Revelation 21, or 1 and 2. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was also no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Why is there no more pain? Because God has recreated all things. If there's no more pain, hell does not exist. 
That's right. And the thing too is that this this what this picture here is a picture of complete peace. Yeah. You know, and that's a peace we cannot find on this earth yeah, now. Yeah. But you know, just in finishing too, Gary, it says too that God is quite sad that this has to come about. That because he wanted everybody to be saved, yeah. and it's foreign to God to have to do this. But he has to do this. There has to be a cleansing. That sin has. In to other be. words, at some point, what God is wanting to do is to get rid of sin hmm. from this earth. He doesn't want to uh, condemn any man because he's saved. He has given his life. For the salvation of every man. Yes, in Ezekiel thirty three eleven it says, As I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die? So mm. he's pleading with us, pleading mm. with us all to turn yeah, from our evil yeah, ways. Yeah. I love the article that uh, was printed in the uh, uh, National Geographic because uh, it finishes by talking about uh, uh, the comparison between tradition and scripture. Mm. And, you know, to me it's incredibly powerful. Yeah. When you start to study the scriptures as opposed to following tradition, you come to a conclusion that says we, ha- we serve a God whose character is one of love mm. and it's actually demonstrated in his acts as well as uh, as the his his future acts as well as the act on the cross mm. Mm. yes a god that loves us would not give that traditional view of what we've been talking about at the beginning it doesn't program. fit his character it doesn't fit in no yeah. let's come to some some music i'm really uh, really conscious our time is starting to to move away from us let's come to Wendell Kimbara uh, i shall not be shaken God alone, I wait in silence, my soul is still before the Lord. He is my rock and my salvation, my fortress strong, I'll trust in Him, I'll not be shaken.
Jesus save me and from what? Faith FM's free offer today is the Hidden Truth magazine, exploring your hard questions about faith and Christianity. To get your free Hidden Truth magazine, go to faithfm.com.au forward slash offers or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Eric Hoare. Eric's the recently retired pastor of the Adelaide Aboriginal Seventh-day Adventist Church. And our big question for this week, how good was God when he created hell? It's uh, in that uh, National Geographic uh, article that I was uh, previously referring to. Uh, the prediction, the article concludes by, by making a prediction. My prediction is that even within conservative evangelical circles, the, and the, this view of hell, the traditional view of hell, will be, um, will, will be gone in 10 to 15 years. I base that prediction on how many well-known pastors secretly hold that view. I think that we're at a time and a place when there's a growing suspicion of adopting tradition for the sake of tradition. Eric, what do you think of that? Do you think we've come to a point where we have to be suspicious of simply adopting tradition for the sake of tradition? Do you think there's a place for us to come back to what the Word of God, what the Scriptures are actually teaching? For sure, and I think the the whole point of it is that we need to each of us study it for ourselves and not take what other people's views are, but look at it ourselves. I mean, it doesn't add up with what the Bible is saying then we need to stick with what the Bible says because God's purpose is that this fire will destroy the devil, all his angels, all the sin to make this world a safe place, to keep it virus-free, if you like, from the virus of sin. So it's for our own good. That's what the the Jesus came for, was to save. And and the thing is, when we take Scripture and understand it, and follow it, then we are, you know, we find Jesus, and Jesus is a one that is compassionate and loving and kind, and none of this does not add up this traditional view, yeah. and that's why people, you know, are questioning and looking, and that's that's, good. that's why you know people from scholarship, uh, mm-hmm. people from uh, in leading churches are increasingly starting to question this traditional view. 
uh, Eric, I think that uh, the uh, uh, the National Geographic in its article summed up things very, very well. Mm-hmm. Eric, please pray for us as we finish. Yes. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we today we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for him who came to this earth to show us the spirit of the law, how to live, how to treat one another, how to respect each other, and we just want to thank you for him. We're so sorry for the way that he was treated and not recognised. And we just thank you, Lord, that for your son today. We thank you, Lord, that he went to the cross on our behalf, that he took upon himself the sin of this world. Each one of us, Lord, he took upon himself. And he didn't come down from that cross. He stayed there and gave his life, a free gift to us. And when that happened, we have free access to the Father. Mm. Oh, Lord, we just want to thank you for your wonderful love. And we know, Lord, that when the time comes, when we lie in the grave resting and sleeping, we're waiting for you to come, then you will send your angels to resurrect those who believe in you. They'll be raised from the dead, and then there'll be another resurrection later in time when there'll be the judgment, and then there'll be a great fire that will wipe out all evil. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and for your grace and for the fact, Lord, that you're a God who just loves each and every. And he wants, God wants everyone to turn to him. So if there's anybody listening today that hasn't given their heart to Jesus, give it now. Read and delve into the scriptures and the word will change you from the inside out. So thank you, Lord, that you're a God who cares and loves each one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, my friends, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you for joining Pastor Gary and Eric on Rive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we dig into this subject one more time. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you.